WRAL News, I'm executive producer Ashley Talley, and this is How to Commit Journalism, where we go behind the scenes and bring you the backstory behind the big story. The big story this week, of course, is the same one it's been for the past weeks and months. Coronavirus, the pandemic that has swept across the world and is now beginning to hit home even harder for many here in North Carolina. WRL is like any other business, trying to maintain its business, put on so much news every day, every week, while still maintaining social distance for many of its employees. Today, we'll talk with meteorologist Kat Campbell and photojournalist Richard Adkins about the changes they've made in their workflow and their lives and even their apartments. We're speaking with Richard Adkins today, a longtime WRL employee who is a photojournalist, multimedia journalist, one-man band. There are a lot of different names for what you do. Tell us what it involves on a daily basis in in the regular world, not the pandemic world. (laughs) Well, in the regular world and and in the pandemic world, uh, I shoot video, I write stories, I mix them all together, I make television out of them. How long have you been doing that? Uh, too long, some would say. Um, let's see. I think I'm, I'm coming up, uh, well, since 1982. So you do the math. 38 years. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine you've seen a lot of change over those decades um, in your equipment and the way you edit. Have you been with you haven't, it hasn't been all with WREL, right? Not. No, 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 no. I've, I've traveled around and I've worked in different places. Um, but yes, yeah, lots of changes, lots of changes over the, the years, and I'm sure lots to even come. And I imagine some of the changes we make in this pandemic coverage will, uh, will, will continue. They, they won't simply go away. I think you're right. So tell me about those changes from your perspective. How is your normal day to day routine, say, from two months ago to, to today well television even even as it is a um you know a a screen and it's still a personal kind of business and the ability to get close to somebody to have an intimate conversation with them face to face but also to get that camera close to them um you know portrays that intimacy and having to back off with the cameras not getting up close to people not not being able to whisper basically to anybody, mm. um, it, it gives what you're doing a different feel. Um, and you have to be mindful of that. I can understand that. I remember a piece you did at McDougal Terrace where you went in a hotel where the residents had been moved out because of carbon monoxide exposure and you were playing with little kids, right? And you had mm-hmm. like your cell phone and another, maybe a GoPro camera. And that was so intimate. Um, yeah. And, and, and now it's, um, it's really interesting. You're having to think through things now, things that were automatic over the last several years. Um, I'll, I'll give you a good example. I, um, I, I did a, a quick, uh, interview video shoot with a hairdresser as they're shutting down these hair salons. Now that would have normally been just handheld with a camera up close. I would have put a little microphone on the hairdresser so I could hear while she talked and while she worked. And it would have been a very close thing. And instead, what I end up doing is going in there first and setting up a big boom microphone over top of the stylus chair. 
and wow. then then bringing in the camera's tripod and setting it far back so the camera, rather than being up close to them, you know, I'm, I'm 12 feet away from them now. And having to bring in a light and make sure that light is out of the shot, you know, make sure things are out of the shot so we still have our TV magic. But, you know, bring in lights and things. When normally it would have just been a very, it would have been the handheld camera, maybe a light, the little microphone, and it would have been quick and intimate. And instead, it takes a long time to set these things up. Do you think you're getting a different interview too? Like, do you think they're responding to you differently because of the setup and how far away you are? It It is. I mean, moving back from people sometimes puts them more at ease if you can get that camera further away from them. Um, See that. But, you know, I just think it's how you approach the interview. And, um, and, and the questions you ask and, and what you'll get out of people. It's like I said, I don't like to call it an interview. I call it a conversation. And um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a way of doing things that's different now. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. It's just different. Yeah. What other changes? So that's obviously to make sure that you're trying to keep that six foot distance. Right. What other changes have you made? Well, this is what's really fascinating and what I really wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, in our industry, as you can imagine, somebody who's been in it as long as I have, you know, we've seen the transformation from film to videotape to digital recording from standard def to high definition and ultra high definition. Um, we've been in the business long enough to kind of see it all. And there is a gap in our business. There's those who have been here a long time and those that are just new and the, the mid-level's not so much there. It's been really interesting to see some of the older guys bringing out old school words, like like their dogs <laughs> to give nat sounds that, that <laughs> again working from home working right. from home and uh yeah the uh the dog is keeping us safe from the uh the scourge <laughs> of the male industry apparently um, <laughs> so yeah 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 what they, sort they of old, things well like these old guys all had boom mics. We, we had boom mics and we could pull the boom mic out so we can keep distance from people and still get a microphone in close. Um, Tell what you mean by boom mics for people that might not be familiar. The people probably know them from movies and stuff. Right. You, you know, the old guy, you see head, his hands over his head holding that big pole with a microphone over top of people. That's basically what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um you know, most of us had those and, and newer people, not only have they not seen them, they didn't know how to use them. Uh, they don't have them. People are, are, are duct taping microphones to broom handles. Um, <laughs> literally, which, you know, right? <laughs> literally. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like this old guy's rule. But <laughs> these younger people are teaching us old guys how to use the Skype and the Zoom and the um, these these digital platforms that we would overlook. How do you record them? How do you get clean audio from them? Um, so it's it's really bringing both ends to the middle. I think with the younger and the older guys, as we all work with each other to help each other um, get through this in the best possible way we can. It's so cool. I love that, that you're both teaching each other things. It reminds me of um, Greg Clark, who was our longtime investigative um, photographer, told me when he left, he's like, now I have these apps I've been using recently that you need to know about. They're really good for like, you know, videoing documents. And I just thought, wow, I thought he was like the classic 
you know, straight with the camera and everything, but we can learn things from new and old, I guess. Absolutely. And um, the story I worked on today, um, I never had to leave my dining room table. So it was a uh, a Skype interview out of Italy with the um, with the Samaritan's Purse folks working over there, and they were able to uh, send me some video of what they were doing over there. So it's just a matter of uh, doing the interview, taking their video, mixing it all together, and uh, baking a little uh, a little news package out a little, of it. A little news cake. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Do you are you enjoying the working from home? Does it feel strange? It does not, because in in what I've done over the the last decade is I have mastered being able to work away from the TV station. Mm. Um, it's it's really been my passion um, to to work by myself and off by myself. So when I shoot a story, let's say you know I'm on the coast. I will find a place to continue to work down there. I won't come back to Raleigh till the end of the day. Hmm. Um, it just, it, it allows me to stay in the moment when I'm working away. And so working at home is, it's kind of been, you know, I can go gather my stuff. And I come here to work. And, and when you say working at home, I mean, that's the edit process, not the shooting process or anything, but right. working at home means, I come home from a shoot and I go in my garage and I have a little table and chair set up in there. I can put my computer on, but I stay out there. I don't bring any of the gear into the house. And at the end of the day, then it's straight to the shower. It's shower, clean clothes, clothes, are, uh, dirty clothes are put away because I don't want to risk bringing anything into my house. So Interesting. So you mean when you like right now, these days, when you are still going out to shoot something, that's your right. practice when you get back. Oh, that's really right. interesting. My wife and I established that protocol early on when this mm -hmm. all started developing that um, as soon as I get home, you know, when I'm ready to come in the house, it is straight to the shower. Clothes go in a, in a certain area. Yeah. Clean clothes go on because um, I don't want to bring anything into the house. Also, at the end of every day. Um, Everything gets wiped down with disinfectants, microphones, tripods, camera, lights, everything gets wiped down. And that, that's a process that takes a little bit of time. I spend about probably a half hour, 45 minutes out there in the garage getting everything cleaned up because, again, I don't want to take that gear into another story and risk contaminating anyone. Right, right. Your, your house or tomorrow's story. That makes sense. Right. Um, I'm sure you've covered a lot of big events in your life. I know you've covered a lot of hurricanes. Does this feel similar to anything you've covered before? Yeah, I, well, it doesn't, any natural disaster, no. I mean, hurricanes, you know, they're coming. You have a pretty much a finite amount of time. They happen, then they go away. Um, you know, same with most tornadoes. I mean, they're instant, and then you're always covering aftermath. Um, the one thing I will say is this feels just a little bit about like Y2K because oh, okay. the the exact same thing applied that we're hearing here. We'll never know if we did too much because everybody was worried about are we doing enough with the Y2K problem? And, you know, one of my big interest will be in a year from now, are we going to look back like we did at Y2K and go, 
Oh, boy, that was silly, wasn't why it? Why did we let out school for that long? Or Exactly. Or exactly. are we going to say, why didn't we let out school earlier? You're, you know, it's hard it, to know. Yeah, it, it, it's really hard to know. It's, um, you know, half of me is... Uh, Half of me is like, yeah, we've really got to take it seriously and do this. And half of me is like, but I want to leave the house. <laughs> right. And I would say I would think of you as somewhat of a skeptic. So, skeptic. <laughs> so I can see you being a little more on that side. Well, you know, I said from the very beginning, um, someone asked me, am I afraid of this virus? And I'm not afraid of it. I, I'm just I'm just not. I'm, I'm cautious. I take, you know, common sense precautions. I'm not afraid of it. But in the same, I, I'd rather not get it and I'd rather not bring it home to my family. Right, right. I'd rather not. Ha yeah, exactly. Have it happen to the family. Um, I think one difference in this in any natural disaster and in Y2K is that, like you said, it was finite. You knew when it was going to be over. To me, it's the ambiguousness of this thing that we're dealing with that is, I don't know, disturbing to me or makes working from home strange because I know it's not just for a week or two. Like it's, I just don't know how long it's going to be. That, that is one of the, the unknown, the, the, I mean, just looking at the, uh, the grocery stores runs, you know, people mm -hmm. are like, how long are we going to be in this thing? Um, and, and I think that would, it would be nice if we could say April 12th, right. it's all done. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Every day brings on new challenges. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, I do like to hear, though, that uh, we are relearning who's important in this world. It's, yeah. you know, so many people who are wearing blue jeans going to work or, or, you know, the stock boy at the grocery store. The You know, these are these are our new heroes. You're exactly right. I've thought about that. How, and I wonder if even the grocery clerks themselves ever thought, I'm going to be the one, you know, standing on the last line between people and, and things that they need to survive. Absolutely. And not to take anything away from the medical folks, but, no. you know, they're, they're, it's easy to see them as heroes. It's, it's the rest of us. It's the truckers that are out there moving them, getting things resupplied, the, the store clerks, the, the people yeah. like that. I agree. Um, I'll let you go. But one last question. You said you think some things that we're learning here will stay moving forward. What do you what do you see being sort of permanent lessons or changes that we're making because of this or we perhaps will make? I think video conferencing, teleconference, video chats are going to be become even more than normal now. Um I would hate to see it in the news business become the norm because, again, you lose that intimacy. It would be hard for a reporter to to talk with you about whatever your your subject matter is, but not to be there to experience it. So I hope we don't, in this industry, continue to rely on video chat quite so much. But the flip side of that um, is I hope industries throughout the area are looking at who's been able to work from home efficiently. And perhaps we could, we could do a whole lot more of that, get some of these cars off the road, reduce pollution a little bit, you know, and, and imagine pushing 20, 30 years down the road, the need to, to widen our interstates or build new roads. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
That is a, a side effect I had not thought of. And I had forgotten, you don't drive to work, right? You take public transportation whenever you can. Yeah, whenever I can, I take the bus. Yep. Um, so that, that could be a very good thing. I've also thought about how it might make business owners look at this a building that they pay 20, 30, 40 grand for a month and say, huh, maybe I don't know whether I need all of that space anymore. You know, if certain people are just as you know, doing just as much work away from a building. So. Absolutely. And, and and I have seen more families out playing together. Me too. You know, during the day. Um, I've you met know. neighbors that I never knew before because we were always at work. Exactly. So so I, I truly believe there will be some positive that comes out of it. And uh, hopefully that will outweigh all the negative. I hope so too. Thank you so much, Richard Adkins, for joining me. Absolutely. Good to talk with you. Coming up next, hear from WRAL meteorologist Kat Campbell about how her day-to-day life and work have changed, including why she now has a green screen in her dining room. Today we're talking with Kat Campbell as a meteorologist doing weather just as you would from the studio from home. What's that like, Kat? Tell me how this all came about. Well, I mean, it all came about Rick, who's our news director. He said, does anybody have any ideas? And I just kind of threw it out there, not expecting the idea to stick at all. But I had a little bit of experience creating green screens on the go, I'll call it, because when I was in college at NC State, we would set up a portable green screen at science fairs and at the North Carolina Museum of Science. And uh, we would actually set these up and let kids play with the green screens to teach them about weather. So I had a little bit of experience doing that. And I I brought it up and it stuck. And they said, you know, this is an emergency backup plan, but let's give it a go. And it ended up really working out well, well enough where they want me to do it from home from now on. And I feel great doing it from home. I'm doing my part. I'm saving lives, setting a good example. So I'm excited that I can kind of set that trend. Did people actually, like from the station, come to your house and set this up? No, I set it up myself, actually. And uh, I'm very, very petite. So there were step stools involved. I did have help from one of my friends having, I needed help just setting up and, you know, standing in front of the camera and setting the lights and everything like that. But they gave me the camera and the two lights and then the green sheet behind me. One of our, somebody that works with us is actually a photographer on the side. So he had the green screen already ready to go for me. So I set it all up, uh, weighted down the sheet with soup cans, little known fact, there are actually soup cans on the floor, (laughs) helping weigh everything down. Technically, I run everything through a software that's kind of like remote desktop. Some people use something called TeamViewer. It allows us to have access to every single one of our weather computers. And that is a lot of computers. So I have access to the computer that controls all of our sky cameras. Of course, my graphic system. But I have access to five different graphic system computers, actually six, if you count the one that runs all of our images for our website. And then we have access to our radar. I can change radar settings. I can do everything from home. So it's been a learning experience getting that all up and running, but it's really been neat. I don't know that our viewers would know a difference in what you did last Wednesday. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. and the Wednesday before. I mean, really, like it's that good of quality. Uh, thank don't you. you. Think? I can't see it, you know, when I'm on air. I, I'm just standing in front of a green wall. 
but I have had people send me pictures of it. It seems to look good. Mike Mays has told me that it looks really good. So I'm excited about that. I miss mm-hmm. getting to see everybody in the studio, but I FaceTime them. So the producers and Mike Mays and even Gerald, I FaceTimed Gerald the other night just to say hi to everybody, check in with them, chat with them like I normally would. So, you know, trying to keep that part of it. Do you produce your weather cast any differently than you would at the station? Not really. The only thing that's different for me is I usually have a clicker at the station to press next to go from, you know, graphic to graphic, but I actually time them out now so I don't have to click it. So I'll time out a graphic to play for 15 seconds or 20 seconds or 10 seconds. And it's been a little bit of an adjustment learning how to properly time everything. But I mean, I think it's worked out pretty well and the producers like it because I'm timing out my weather cast to be exactly three minutes or exactly two minutes and 30 seconds for them. And as for people that aren't in TV, meteorologists are somewhat notorious for going over time yeah. or not doing the exact time the producer wants. The producer times out their whole show and mm-hmm. might say, all right, you got a minute and a half or two. And often meteorologists will go over it, yeah. but that's a really good side effect. From yeah, no, it really has been. It's been kind of cool to have that going on. And we don't read from teleprompters or anything like that. So it's easy for me because I just talk about the weather for the allotted time period. For anchors, uh, you know, I think that would add a whole different element to have to get a teleprompter set up from home and things like that. But, you know, I, it's just yeah. me, my blank green wall, some new dining room decor going on and, uh, <laughs> you know, making it work. And I feel safer this way and I feel like I'm keeping other people safe. So all in all, I think it's gone pretty well. I, I really like that idea that you started with and that you say now about I'm doing this for other people, right? Like I'm working at home. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit harder, Mm -hmm. but it's for the greater good. Thank you so much for talking with us. Anything else you want to add? No, I don't think so. I would just encourage anybody who has, you know, if anybody from another TV station is listening to this radio or anybody, no matter what your job is, it could have nothing to do with the TV industry at all. Just be creative and give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if you have an idea, bring it up to your boss and give it a go and see how it goes in the long run because you could really save lives. I love that idea. Thank you so much, Kat Campbell. Thank you. How to Commit Journalism is produced by WRAL News and part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. To hear more from our podcast network about coronavirus, Head to WRL.com, search podcast, and at the top of that page, you'll see a new podcast we're putting out daily with updates and the latest information coming out of North Carolina and the world that you need to know.